Hey everyone, welcome to Cigars on Syndication. I'm I'm Robbie Rogers, and we're passionate about cigars and and passionate about real estate. And today, um, today's topic I think is going to be quite interesting. It's it's going to touch on the uh, housing shortage. Hey everyone, my name is Junaid Noor. Welcome to Cigars and Syndications, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about why there is a housing shortage. You know, everybody keeps uh, asking about this, and people have different opinions and. Uh, we kind of did some research and put together a, a, a comprehensive but uh, understandable summary on why there is a housing shortage. But before we get to that, we are smoking the uh, Don Carlo, which is made by Arturo Fuente, Don Carlo 2019. What do you think? Well, you, you came and told me this was one of your favorite cigars, and, and so far I understand why it's... Uh, Got a really magnificent uh, draw. The the flavors are really, uh, they're really out there. You can get some cocoa. You get some little nuttiness and a little spice. Uh, really impactful. Really, really enjoying this. I love the, uh, on the initial lighting, uh, that it's like a, it's like a spicy chocolate flavor. Yeah, I got the same thing. Just a big hit of cocoa right when you lit it. And, and then I'm getting some floral. I mean... Just smelling the cigar before, before even if it, even before it was lit, you can smell the uh, the floral. Yeah, it really, really was a good just just pre light, uh, just just enjoying the aroma. It was a really it's it's a really solid smoke. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to finishing it. So, Robbie, the housing shortage now. You know, uh, there is a housing shortage in with every indicator that we look at the. Um, there is a shortage of multifamily housing and there's a shortage of single family housing. And that's across the board, uh, through all major cities in the United States, some of the, uh, the secondary cities and the tertiary cities as well. Uh, there is a housing shortage and, you know, we're, we're going to try to get to the bottom of why is this shortage happening? Why are we so short on housing supply? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that happened and, you know, I think I think to really get a clear picture, we have to go all the way back to 2006. That's right. Actually, January of 2006. In January of 2006, uh, we had 1.8 million housing starts um, for that year. And uh, what happened was that. So, if you if you want to let's let's start with this. Let's try to summarize. If you wanted to kind of say what are the three most uh, important reasons that we have a housing shortage. Number one is the 2008 financial crisis. And, you know, we'll go through the details as to how that ties into today. It's like 2008, that was such a long time ago. But it still affects us today, which kind of lets you understand how real estate cycles work, you know, and how long-term they really are. Um, the second thing is COVID-19. And the third thing is just demographics. So what happened? Uh, what happened to the housing market in two thousand eight? That was so impactful, and that that actually has rippling effects till today. So, so let's in in order to understand two thousand eight, we go back a little bit further to two thousand and three. So it all starts with the federal funds, right? The Federal Reserve Bank lowered their Fed funds to about one percent in two thousand and three, and because lending uh getting a loan was so cheap people started 
the, the developers started building uh, houses, uh, single-family homes, multifamily construction started going up. And that just kept increasing until it hit a peak in 2006 six of about 1.8 million uh, housing units. Um, but then what happened in 2006, do you know? Well, I mean, a lot of the... A lot of the um, increases in, in home starts had to do with some of the types of loans that were out there. Uh, they had interest-only loans, really easy, no dock loans. They had all kinds of instruments that, that let people that probably wouldn't have qualified for the house otherwise get a home. So, again, so in, in, in this, this, this episode, you'll kind of, the audience will kind of understand how the Federal Reserve has impact on the whole economy. So 1.8 million housing starts in 2006, but in 2004, the Fed starts slowly increasing rates. And uh, by September of 2006, the Fed funds rate reaches 5.34%, uh, which is, which was at the, which was the peak at the time. So what happens is that, um, a lot of people had adjustable rate mortgages, right? If you had a heartbeat, you could get a mortgage. And because the loans were so cheap and everybody was able to get them and the, and the, the borrowing standards have just gone down, you can, I knew people who got loans at 105%. That means they got money back to buy the house. I mean, is that, that's unimaginable. That is absurd, and I, I do remember those. And, and just to think where we are today and to think about those situations back in 2006, 7, and 8, and, and it's, it's mind-blowing. I mean, in 1991, my parents bought their first house in Chicago, and they paid 20% down, 9.5% interest rate. And happy to get it. They were happy to get it because a couple of years before that, it was 14%. You know, back in, you're talking about 91, but in 84, 85, the interest rates, the Fed funds rate was at 14%. So all the newer home buyers today, the majority of the younger home buyers, they haven't even seen anything like that. They haven't. And so that's why the shock is slowly being absorbed in the market, right? So let's go back to um, 2006 again. So 2006, the Fed... Uh, raises interest rates to the 5.34% maximum. And it didn't really affect people because most people had two and three year adjustable rate mortgages. So for the people who had the adjustable rate mortgages, 2008 is really when it started hitting home. So what happened? Your adjustable rate mortgage went from Two points over, let's say your adjustable rate mortgage was two points over the Fed's funds. Fed funds were at 1%, so your adjustable rate mortgage is at 3%. You're happy. Now Fed funds are at 5.34. Now your adjustable rate mortgage is at 7.34. And all of a sudden, you can't make, make those mortgage payments because your mortgage payments just went up all of a sudden. Yeah, they're double. They're double what they were a year ago. Yeah. So you can't make those mortgage payments. What are you going to do? You're going to be like, hey, bank, I can't make these mortgage payments. Here's your keys. The problem was that so many people had adjustable rate mortgages and so many people who were qualified 
qualified, we termed, we, we use that term very loosely, qualified under adjustable rate mortgages and being able to get loans without, you know, remember we call them ninja loans, no income, no job, no assets. And uh, people were able to get their loans um, and uh, they qualified under that rate. But now with the new rate, they don't qualify. And of course, the they can't refinance the existing mortgage because they won't qualify under the higher rates and they don't have the income. Well, and then the bank gets the flood of these homes back and, and now there's a surplus of homes and, and the value is, is plummeting. So that's the second part of this. What happens is that values plummet because there's a surplus of homes. Buyers are out of the market because they can't afford the homes. Developers, anybody who had an existing line of credit, they all start drawing on their lines of credit. So the bank's liquidity, the ability of the bank to be able to loan money has gone down dramatically because those lines of credits are drawn down. They're not issuing anymore. Oh, and by the way, let's shift into accounting a little bit. So accounting rules require uh, what's called mark to market. So when the bank starts repoing all these uh, loans, they have all this property on their balance sheet. But the property values are declining because there's no demand for the property anymore. Because that same bank can't lend money. I know it's not exactly the same, but it's eerily similar to, to what just happened with the Silicon Valley Bank. Almost exactly. Silicon Valley Bank uh, had a lot of bonds on their balance sheet, which you know they felt were secure bonds. They were treasury bonds, but they were at 1%. Well, now the secure treasury, you know, the uh, full faith and credit of the United States government, those bonds which we called risk-free bond, risk-free return, rate of return, is now at 5%. So nobody wants their bonds. And they had the same issue. They, uh, they had to mark their bonds down, and that reduced their capital requirements, and they couldn't loan any more money. Oh, and by the way, you can't loan any more money, and all your lines are withdrawn. People are, people are starting to withdraw their money because they're scared now. Right, that their money will not be uh, protected. So I know that some of the some of the um, dot com companies, the Silicon Valley Bank, uh, they had their deposits with Silicon Valley Bank. They had deposits in excess of a few million dollars. Well, the FDIC guarantee is only two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So they started panicking. They started withdrawing their funds and moving it to a larger bank. Well, now the ratios are dropping even more. Well, and, and to transition back in, into the housing situation, as the feds increase the rates, the start slow down with multifamily, with single family homes, and, and starts the snowball effect of the housing shortage. Correct. And so now you have banks that have all of these assets on their balance sheets, you have developers who are going bankrupt because they build all these homes that nobody wants to buy. And even the people who want to buy them, uh, the liquidity is not there. Nobody's giving loans. Um, so the developers, a lot of developers went bankrupt. They laid off a lot of people who, you know, they're tradespeople who either never came back into construction 
completely left construction, or when the tradespeople leave uh, are, are laid off, they no longer have jobs, they can't pay their mortgages, and now you have this ripple effect. Well, I'm not sure what year we're in the housing market, but I'm uh, I'm sitting here in 2019 enjoying this Don Carlos. Um, it is a really good smoke. It's um, smooth. I would say a medium body smoke. Uh, really, really great draw, great burn. Uh, just a fabulous smoke. It's kind of uh, the the chocolate and nuttiness is kind of going away a little bit. Just a light spice, and I'm starting to pick up some floral. It, it's really, really nice. No, this is a wonderful smoke, and if you can pick up uh, a 2019 Don Carlos, actually, if you can pick up pretty much any Don Carlos from Fuente, it's a it's a fantastic smoke. A little on the pricey side, but uh, very good nonetheless. So the the Feds kept increasing the the rates, which compounded the problem for the builders and developers that already had a surplus of homes. They started closing their businesses. Uh, more and more turmoil in the housing market. And and it really began the real the shortage that we're dealing with today. Uh, as the feds continued to raise rates, the housing you know market never really recovered until the rates started coming down again. And once the, the rates started coming down again, you know, we started a whole new cycle. Right. And you know, this again gives you an idea of how long real estate cycles are really and you know, these are not short-term cycles. But yeah, uh, you know, the the Fed obviously had to react to this big turmoil in the economy. And by the way, we forgot to mention that Wall Street uh, had this demand for these mortgage-backed securities, which, you know, these houses were being bundled up into bonds and being sold to, to, to uh, investors through Wall Street. And, you know, everybody was making a lot of money. Everybody knew that... Um, I read this wonderful book called The Devils Are All Here. Everybody was making a lot of money. Everybody knew there was a problem, but everybody kind of just turned away and said, hey, you know, we'll deal with the problem later. We're making money right now. So anyway, that was the beginning of the housing shortage because now you had an oversupply, no buyers, banks are not lending, no money coming into the system, credit is all dried up, and so the Fed has to react. So we'll continue what the Fed did and how it reacted in part two. Yeah, this is a great topic to continue. And, and you know, we'll, we'll hopefully make a transition from 2008 all the way to today and, and how it kind of impacts us today and, and what we can do to, to, you know, to capitalize on that. We'll see you in part two. Y'all have a good one. Enjoy a good smoke.